Oh, and you got my favorite dressing. Yeah, thing. of course. Favorite for the favorite. Still a little second guessing our parenting, huh? Oh, didn't know. Not surprised. Continue. <laughs> well, you guys think it's not fair the way we divvy things up, so we have decided to even things out a little. Are we all getting cars? No. Oh my God, we're all getting cars. <laughs> We've decided we're going to pay for the recording equipment. Nice. Kind of a wash for me, but, but thanks. Yeah, it's typical. I hate to ask, but what, what, what do you mean, typical? Because well, as usual, little Evie gets everything. Well, I get everything. You're the one who gets everything. Oh, whoa, whoa. So you think Mandy's the favorite, too? Wait, me? <laughs> That's a joke. I'm the least favorite. That's what I keep saying. Yeah. You for $800 for a new sewing machine, you were like, no, go to college. The fact that you're so grateful makes up for that. But not with Eve. It's like, no, yeah, skip college. Go play hippie music, whatever you want. Well, you're one to talk. Yes, I am one to talk. I don't know what that means. Well, it means, it means that you have all benefited from being our kids. Right, so we do things yeah. differently for each one of you. You know what? Let's say grace. Okay, yeah, like okay? how you get to live here rent-free with your husband. Uh, mom gets to live here rent-free with her husband. <laughs> You know, she's, uh, she's got you there, honey. Rent free? Believe me, I pay. Oh, and you lived here rent free with a guy for years. A guy? Do you mean my baby? He's still a guy. <laughs> He's got you there, honey. Kristen, she completely screwed up her life. Right. I, I'm doing great now. Yeah, because Dad handed you a cushy job. Let's say Chris. I thought you were on my side. Uh, I'm sorry, are we pretending like you got all your pay raises because you came up with the brilliant idea for a restaurant to sell meat? Oh, you know what? Yeah, I think, I think a prayer right now would be a really good Great thing. idea. I, I have earned everything that I have gotten. Oh, yeah, you earned that. Your silverware at home sure looks a lot like the stuff at the restaurant. This is where you could use that recording equipment. And, and you are using your previous incompetence at everything to milk these two, even though you're doing great now. Thank you. I mean, shut up. Don't tell her to shut up. Wait, you sold me up. You can both shut up. I don't need to shut up because I'm leaving. No, sit I'm back down. Sit back down. Wait, both back. of you, sit back down. You're not leaving. Sit back down. Sorry, did you want to say grace? Love that show. You know, one of the most challenging, rewarding things to do is raise your kids. One of the most difficult things you will ever do is to raise your kids. And the thing that's really interesting and that some of us know already, and some of you are going to find out one day, is it doesn't matter how old your kids are, your kids are still your kids. Still concerned about their choices, uh, even when you have no right to have a say in their life, you still kind of want to have a say sometimes. You know, uh, we, we're going to talk about this in just a bit, a bit. Sometimes the whole turning loose thing is really hard when you get to the point where you have to do it. You know, because it's like when your kids go to college... You know, they're on their own, yet at the same time, they're not really on their own, and there's just tension. 
And so there's two kinds of tensions, and one is really healthy and one is not. There is the, the, the healthy tension between being a parent and being a child. And, and sometimes there's give and take with that. But there's also a tension that's very unhealthy that kind of pops up in our culture a lot. And that is when kids run the show. When kids run the house, when kids are the CEO, if you will, of the home. When their decisions drive your agenda. When their schedule drives your agenda. For example, imagine this picture and maybe you've been there and maybe you're living this and maybe you're about to have some horrible flashbacks. But when you are just running like a, you know, like a crazy person because your kids have to have, you got to be here, got to be there, and got to be everywhere. Because your kids are dictating where you are and when you have to be there. I know parents who never had said no to anything to their kids for anything. I remember the first time Alec heard the word no from his pawpaw. He came back from Kmart, I think it was, and he came in and he is bawling. And we were at their house and he's just bawling. And, and I mean, I thought he got, we thought he got hurt. I mean, you know, what, you know what's wrong? Pawpaw said no. He'd never heard his pawpaw say no. And it was traumatic for a, a little one. Sometimes the best thing you can do is tell your kids no. Not wait, not maybe, no. Because with a no, there's going to be a yes or a wait or a maybe or a whatever. But here's what I know. Your children, whether they are in the house or grown and on their own, cannot set the agenda for your family. They cannot decide what your priorities are. And so God's great idea for humanity is one another. It's God's great idea. The Bible's filled with one another's. Well, the most intimate and most personal form of one another is the one another that happens in your house. Well, those people who live in your house, parents and kids who live together, love together and serve together and have to find, find a way to get along. And so... What we're going to do today is we kind of wrap this series up about, you know, just marriage. We're going to talk about setting priorities. If this is kind of where you are with your kids, maybe there's something that will reinforce something you're doing, or maybe it's something you need to do. Maybe you've got a friend who needs to hear this. But the other thing is this. The things we're going to talk about today are transcend all relationships to some degree. So we're going to be talking in the realm of family and kids but we're going to also talk about some things that you can say, well, this applies to my relationship at work and so forth and so on. And these things do. So here's what we need to understand first. God has a great idea for your household. I call it God's organizational chart. And God's organizational chart is, is, is imagine this pyramid, right? And, and we've been talking about this pyramid for, for three weeks now where God is at the top of the pyramid, but we're going to kind of add some things to it. God's also at the bottom. He's the foundation of everything on which it stands. So you're not just trying to grow in your relationship with God. You're standing on a relationship with God as you grow closer to God. A husband and a wife who are growing closer to God grow closer to one another. We've been talking about that for the past few weeks. But there is a biblical priority that God sets for your family. And it's really simple. God comes first. He's at the top. He's at the bottom. He's everywhere. God comes first in all relationships. That means that the most important relationship in your household is not your, your relationship to your spouse. It's your relationship to God. 
Now, people get really upset about this. Well, what you're saying, I'm not supposed to love my spouse? No, I'm saying if you love God first, you'll love your spouse at a whole different level. A level that's not in, that you can't even fathom when you put God first. You'll love your kids at a whole different level when you put God first. You'll love your friends, the people in your life at a whole different level when you put God first. And after, and so God's organizational chart, he's at the top. He's the head. If you don't like that, all I can say is, when you get to heaven, if you really care when you get to heaven, you take it up with him. Me, not going to care. It's all going to be good. Now, and so after that comes the relationship between parents. Now, this is what we're talking about in a, in a two-parent home where there's a mom and a dad, but sometimes it's a one-parent home. And it doesn't matter if there's one parent or two parents, right under God is mom and dad, mom or dad. That's how it works. At the bottom of the pyramid are your kids. So let me say that again. At the bottom of the pyramid, and regardless of how old your kids are, or they're still at home in elementary school, in diapers, or they're grown, they're at the bottom of your pyramid. Well, I mean, I want to do the best. I want to love my kids, and I want to, you know, I want to give them their best. That's fine. You know, the best thing you do for your kids, leave them at the bottom of the pyramid. That's where they belong. So we're going to talk about how that looks today as we kind of dig into this thing. So in the book of Colossians, we're going to read from Colossians and Ephesians, okay? And this is, this is where Paul kind of lays out what we just talked about, okay? So he says this. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting for those who belong to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. Now, this is exactly what we talked about last week. This is mutual submission where a husband elevates the needs of his wife above his own. At the same time, a wife is elevating the needs of her husband above her own. That's what this is. This is just another way of saying mutual submission. Paul is not saying, wives, you work for your husbands. He's not what he's saying. This is just another way to talk about mutual submission. Then he says this, children, obey your parents, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not aggravate your children or they become discouraged. It's really interesting. He didn't address moms. Because I'm telling you, dads, I'm telling you, you have the power to destroy your children. Or you have this, the power to, set, to, to love your kids in a different way. You can change the course of your kid's life. Now, then he says this. This is over in Ephesians. Children, I love these words, obey your parents. We could just stop right there, couldn't we? Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. Now, here's the problem. My kids are grown. I don't do, they ain't doing this anymore. Because that's what happens. Okay? They, now, my... My son is a dad, and, and so he's not obeying his parents anymore. But we'll talk about that, okay? This is the first promise. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you, and you will have a long life on earth. And so Paul says, obey your parents. Do what they say. Honor them regardless of what kind of human beings they are. Okay, and, and my college roommate, his mom and dad were horrible human beings. Horrible human beings. And I can't stress that enough. 
And then he, but he found a way to honor his parents. Now, he grew up in a children's home. His parents were so horrible that the courts took him away from his parents. You know how bad you have to be for the courts to take you away from your, from your parents? But he found a way in his life to honor his parents. And it's a really cool thing. If you do that, it will go well for you. If you honor your parents, it will go well for you because one day you might be a parent on your own and you might want your kids to honor you. And so this is where we kind of started talking about this last week. So here's the deal. So this is what we're, we're saying. If you're a parent, this is your, and you have kids at home, I don't care how old your kids are. If your kids are at home, now, I don't mean if they're like 30 and living at home. That's a little different. But if your kids are at home and they are still, you're paying their bills. Guess that can still apply in this culture. But anyway, so this is what I'm saying. Your job is simple. Teach your kids, train your kids, and turn your kids loose. Talked a lot about that last week. We talked about there's two ways to teach your kids. There's two ways to train your kids. There are the things you physically teach them. Like you teach them how to do a skill, you teach them how to get along, you teach them to do something, and then you train them so they do it with you so they know how to do it. So that's one way to teach your kids and one way to train your kids. The whole other way, maybe the most important way you train your kids are the things they learn from you when you're not teaching them anything, but you really are. The things they catch from you as you live your life. Your kids will catch more from you in their lives than you will ever teach them with your words. And if you really think about that, that's a little scary and a little humbling. If you really, really think about it and your kids are grown, then you start, it's, it's, really, it's easy to have panic flashbacks. Oh my goodness, what are my kids catching? Well, just watch them. And when they do something or they say something and you know, your spouse goes, that's just like you. <laughs> then you'll know what they're catching. You just hope it's good, right? And so, but what we're talking about is, is at a different level. We're not just talking about skills. Here's what we're talking about. Teach your kids to know the ways of the Lord. That's your job. Teach your kids to know the ways of the Lord. Train your kids to live a life that honors God. That's what we're talking about here. That's what Paul's talking about here. He's not, hey, don't, he's not talking about teaching them how to swing a bat, which is great. Teach them how to hit a ball. That's great. Teach them how to catch a ball. Teach them, teach them how to throw a ball, to play an instrument. Teach them that they should make really good grades in school. Those things are great. But I'm telling you this, there's so many parents who get to this place in life where they taught their kids to succeed, to be successful, to, chase, to climb the corporate ladder, but they didn't teach them the ways of the Lord. And they look back and go, I wish, I wish I would have spent more time talking to my kids about their relationship with God. All the other stuff's fine, but without this, all the other stuff doesn't matter. Teach your kids the ways of the Lord. Train them to live a life that honors God, and then turn them loose and let them live out what you've taught them. Whether you taught them or they caught what you taught. That's our job. And then for those of us who are doing it now, you just watch and hope and pray. It's all you can do. For those of you who are your kids are young now, still raising them, there will come a day where you will teach and train your kids and you'll turn them loose and you will hope and you will pray. If you decide you're going to intervene in your kid's life, your kids will probably exit your life. 
See it happen all the time. Moms and dads who, who think, try to parent their grown kids, try to tell them what to do all the time, trying to run their show, trying to you know, tell them how to raise their kids. You know what it happens? They exit the premises. It's what, it's what happens. And so we got to figure out the Okay, the next two are not so much. But the first one is this. If you have kids at home, and this sounds really harsh, but this is what you need to do. You need to go home and demote your kids. You need to go home. You need to have a hostile takeover. That's what we're talking about. You imagine your family's a corporation. You go home and say, ah, taking over this show. We're in charge now. What's that mean? It means... We're going to set the priorities. We're going to set the agendas. We're going to tell you what you can do. We're going to tell you where you can go. And it sounds really harsh, but the truth is, how else will they learn? How else will they learn? Jim Collins has this book called From Good to Great, and, it's a, and, if, you, and if you're a leader at any level, you should read it. Uh, it's, it's a book about business, but it applies to the church, but it applies to your family. And so his premise of his book is really simple. So I'm going to give you the premise, and then you can read all the other chapters, and that's great too. The premise of his book is really simple. You need to make sure for a, for a corporation to be successful, for a business to be successful, for any group of people to be successful, you have to have the right people on the bus. And there's lots of times, and he talks about this in his book, where it's particularly in corporations where they have the wrong people on the bus and it just derails a corporation. It can derail a church. You're talking about leadership. You got to have the right people on the bus. But then he goes into greater detail. He says, it's not enough to have the right people on the bus. You got to have the right people in the right seats on the bus. In other words, your kids should not be driving the bus. The, the person with no financial restraint should not be making financial decisions in your organization. The right person has got to be on the bus, but the right person's got to be in the right seat on the bus. And in your bus, all the right people are there. If you have your kids at home, the right people are there. When your kids were home, the right people were there. All the right people are on the bus. The question is, are they sitting in the right seats? That, that's the question. It's not, are they the right, are they the right people? It's, are they sitting in the right seats? Too many families. You got the right people on the bus, but they're in the wrong seats. And if that sounds like you, you need to go home and have a hostile takeover. And if, and if, you, and if that doesn't sound like you, you need to make sure that doesn't ever become you. And if you have kids, and that's how it is, forget everything I just said and find a way to lovingly tell your kids that they, that they need to take control of the lives of your grandkids for their, your grandkids' sake. Not for their sake, not for your sake, but for their kids' sake. So you got to do that. All right, so here's the next thing we're going to talk about. Sometimes you have to hit the reset button. You know what I love about playing games on my phone? When I don't like the way it's going, I can hit new game and start over. It's really cool. I like playing Sudoku on my phone, and when I get to a point where I get stuck and I don't want to figure it out, new game, yes, please. New game, right? It, it's cool. Until you get to a place where you can't do that, like in a real game. Where you can't just, ah, oh, this game's not going well, we're going to start over. It doesn't work that way. But in your family, it can 
You can hit the reset button in your family. You can. And, and one of the ways to reset, hit the reset button is, is to take back control of your family. Another way, which is kind of, you know, kind of hang with me, is to allow your children to have say in the right things and not the wrong things. There are things that I don't care about in my family. Where I eat lunch on Sunday, I do not care. As long as I don't have to decide. That is my, that's been our rule forever. And so my kids are coming to me, hey, we're eating lunch today. Um, talk to your mom. She just talked to you. She knows better. Go find your mom. Talk to her. I'm not deciding. Man, I, I'll drive around town before I'll decide anything. Might be a little stubborn. It's okay to ask your kids where they want to eat lunch. But you better be okay when they say, let's go to Dairy Queen, because you're going to Millen or you're going to Statesboro. And for most of y'all, y'all are okay with that. Or when they say, hey, we want to go to McDonald's, you got to be okay with that. If you're not okay with it, don't ask them. That's, that's, that's my, always my thing. There are things that your kids can have a say in. And there are, kids they should, there are things they should never have a say in. Ask your kid, hey, where are you going to go on vacation? Don't ask them that. Tell them where they're going. I remember uh, this was in Elberton years ago, but there was a, there was, we had a bunch of kids who are now freshmen in college and seniors in high school, and they were going to play an all-star game. And the all-star, the, the tournament started the week of July 4th, which in Elbert County is the week everyone takes off because the granite closes down. And all these people were having this great dilemma. What are we going to do? Do we vacation or do we play ball? And I'm like, <laughs> I said, I'll tell you what I would do. You can always play another ball tournament. If you don't go on vacation, when you go, I don't know, be next year. I'm not doing that. There's always another ball game. And see, and that's the thing your kids need to understand. And that's the thing parents need to understand. Sometimes there's always another something. Right? Sometimes there's always another something. Sometimes there's not. It's your job to know what those things are. It's your job to know where the boundaries are. It's your job to establish the, the priorities. If you find yourself complaining because your kids are keeping you busy, it's not your kid's fault. If you find yourself going to, from tournament to tournament or game to game or event to event or concert to concert or whatever it is, it's not your kid's fault because they didn't sign up on their own. Now, if you're okay with that life, that's fine and that's great. Our kids were never allowed to quit anything once they started. My daughter, bless her heart, and I didn't know she was going to be here, wanted to quit basketball, but I was coaching her and they wouldn't let me quit either, so we, we had to finish together. But once you're over, once it's over, you don't have to do it ever again. Maybe, just maybe, if you find yourself, your, your kid's schedule's got you going this way and that way, maybe you get through this season and go, okay, we're going to rethink next time. Sometimes you just need to hit the reset button. Sometimes you do. Now, I'm about to go to Medlin, so I've got to be really careful here. So I'm going to try to do this fast. I'm going to try to do this fast. One of the greatest ways you can hit the reset button in your life is <clears throat> convince your kids that name brands aren't everything. Um, I, you remember when the Yeti, cool, the Yeti the little mini things came out? There's a Yeti, there's an Ozark, and the Orca. You know what the difference in the three of those things is? 
No, of course you don't, because nobody does. They're the same, they do the same thing, but the Yeti costs a whole lot more than the Orca and, and the, the other one. So, I mean, they have these things, but you gotta have the Yeti. Why? Because everyone else is getting a Yeti. Psst, okay. I think I have, a, we have, I have a Yeti because someone bought it for me, and it was not my wife. It was a friend who bought, well, he said, gave us one for Christmas one year, and I was like, hey, there you go, got a Yeti. It's got the name right on the side. How about that? <laughs> name brand clothes. I'll bet some of you buy generic medicine because it's a little cheaper than the real medicine. Generic clothes, for lack of a better word. Clothes are clothes. Now, there's, there's some things that you, maybe you like, and that's okay. But here's, here's the thing. And I'm not saying you shouldn't buy your kids the best, but here, this is what I'm trying to say. What happens if you give your kids the best of everything? And then one day, they have to start making their own decisions, paying their own bills, spending their own money. And they, got, and they buy the best of everything. You know what they're going to do? They're going to keep doing that whether they have the money for it or not. My kids drove old cars. Not because we're horrible parents and didn't want them to drive old cars, because for the one hand, it's all we could do. And the other hand was it was good enough. I bought my first car. Crystal bought her first car. We gave our kids their first car. So when I say gave their kids, they got hand-me-downs, we got a car. My son drove a 1999 Nissan Altima. He got it with 176,000 miles on it. When he got, gave it back, I don't remember how many he had on it. We sold it to a friend who's still driving it. It's got over 300,000 miles on it. Still gets 40 miles a gallon on the highway. Kind of missed that car a little bit. I was just saying. My daughter's first car was in 2000 uh, Mitsubishi Montero Sport that we bought from a friend of ours. 186,000 miles on it. We bought it from a friend who was meticulous. We had, every piece of, we had every piece of paperwork that had ever been done. She drove it through her two years of high school. Um, she drove it through her last two years. She didn't just go two years. And, and she drove it. <laughs> she's really smart. And then, <laughs> she is really smart. But anyway, but then she drove it through college and she quit driving in college when, it, when after the second time she called her dad and said, Dad, my car has died in the dark in a parking lot. And there's nothing more frightening to a father than when your daughter, those of you that have sons, let me tell you something. My son called, called me once, dad broke down, said, okay, better call somebody. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my daughter broke down. I'm trying to figure out if I need to drive four hours, three hours to get to her. It's different. Just, it just is. That's why she thinks she's the favorite. But anyway, so it's different because daughters are different. And so we decided she couldn't, we didn't want her having that car three hours away because we didn't trust it. We brought it home and she got her mom's Altima and her mom got a new car. Now, there are people that buy your kids new cars. And if you do, that's fine. That's great. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong. I'm not, so this is a personal thing. If you want to buy your kids new stuff, buy new stuff. That's great. Kids, I'm not negotiating this for you, so you're out. That's between you and your mom and dad. My kids learn the value of having to take care of stuff. 
That's what they did. They learned the value of having to depend on people. We became friends with a mechanic in Valley, Alabama, because we had kids there for four, five years of college and four years of college. And we became friends with that mechanic who took good care of our kids while he was there. Sometimes you just need to teach your kids that the name on the brand doesn't make it better. It just makes it cost more. And that's just the way it is. So last thing I want to talk about, maybe the most important thing. This is a thing that applies in all relationships across the board. And that is simply this, become a bridge builder. Become a bridge builder. In the business world, uh, it would be called nurturing client relationships. Taking those clients out to lunch, taking them to the golf course, wooing them, hanging out with them, putting up with their endless horrible jokes, you know, because you're just trying to keep them as a customer or get them as a customer, right? I mean, it's just kind of how it works. You just, you, you have to, that's what you got to do. You got to play the game. I'm not saying to woo your kids, but I'm saying you need to be a bridge builder. And I don't care if your kids are little or grown. You need to be a bridge builder because somebody's got to. I always, I always tell the people who work for me when they have to make tough decisions, I say, look, if you want to have a grown-up job, you've got to make grown-up decisions. You better pull your pants up and make the right one. And if you can't do it, let me know and I'll find someone who can. Sounds mean, but that's the way the real world works, Right? So what are, what are we talking about? So we're talking about two kinds of bridges. And the first bridge is a bridge between a husband and a wife. And here's what I'm saying. You need time for just you and your spouse. I don't care how old your kids are. I don't care where they are in life. You need time for yourself. I've said this before. Crystal and I have been going on dates for 31 years. Well, actually longer than that because, you know, I did do some wooing before then. But... Um, but now that I got her and she can't get rid of me, we still go on dates, right? We've left our kids with a lot of people that we trust, that we love, that love our kids. Because it's important that my kids see, that your kids see that I love their mother and that she loves their dad. Some, I've, got, I've got friends, and maybe this is you, and, and if it's not, who would, who would not go, like, go away for a weekend? Well, I can't do that. What am I going to do with my kids? Leave them with somebody. Can't do that. <laughs> They're going to leave you one day. You might as well go ahead and get ahead of the curve. And so we've left our kids uh, with people before, all right? Every parent who thinks, I can't separate from my kids, I can't leave them, your kids are going to leave you one day unless you tie them in the basement, which is probably illegal and you shouldn't do, right? Build a bridge. Let your kids see that the relationship between a husband and wife are really important. Model that for them. Let them see that. Let them see that sometimes mom and dad need to spend some time together. Because it's not just about time, it's about a covenant. Your marriage is a covenant. A covenant between you, your spouse, and the creator of the universe. We've been talking about that, that triangle thing for three weeks. That's what this is. It's a covenant. God's involved in every marriage whether you want God to be involved or not because marriage is his great idea. A lot of people think, well, God's not in my marriage. If you're married, he is because it's his idea. Here's what I want you to understand. The best thing you can do for your kids is to love one another. 
The best thing you can do for your kids is to love one another and put each other first and model what a marriage should look like. Because one day they're gonna be on their own and you can't undo their stuff. Build a bridge between a husband and a wife. Now, if you're a single parent, still need to build bridges. Have some people in your life that you spend some time with and make that a priority and let your kids see that, you know, maybe it's just me and y'all at home, but, but, but there's people in my life that I love and care about me and I care about them. And I want you to understand there's people in your life that, that are gonna care about you. And you still build bridges. Leads to the second bridge. The second bridge is the parent-child bridge. Kids need to know they can get you from anywhere. That's what I'm saying. So there's, this is kind of interesting because there's all these bridges. There's a, there's a husband and wife bridge. There's the dad bridge to his kids, the mom bridge to your kids, and then the mom and dad bridge to your kids. So it's corporate, if you will, and it's individual. So it's corporate because it's mom, dad, and the kids. It's individual because it's mom, dad, and this child, and that child, or it's mom and this child, and that child. And so you need to build bridges. Spend time with your kids. Find something that you can do together. My son and I love Marvel movies. And we've been to a bunch of them together. And we have this, we sit through the, um, the people around us probably hate us. We sit through the previews and we go, yep, nope, yep, nope. And we do it loud too. I mean, and, and that's kind of, and we still do that. We haven't been to a movie for a while. The last time we went to a movie, we we're sitting there going, and he, I'm sitting there, he goes, yep. And I went, that's funny. Nope, yep, nope, yep. And then we, what's funny is, yep, nope. Really? <laughs> Dude, you're weird. So, but man, find something that you and your kids enjoy doing. Spend time, dads, if you have daughters and sons, don't just spend time with your son, spend time with your daughter. Moms, if you have daughters and sons, spend time with both. Because what happens a lot of time is, dad, you take care of the mom stuff, uh, the dad stuff, and mom will take care of the girl stuff. Best thing you can do, if you, have a, if, you are, if you have kids at home right now, the best thing you can do for your kids, moms, take your sons on dates. Take them on a date. Maybe not these two, but I'm just saying... <laughs> Take, take your kids on a date because here's the deal. Teach your son how he should treat a lady. And if he can't treat your mama right, he's not going to treat anybody else right. Now, when your kids are little, dates like McDonald's. That's, that's a cheap date, right? That's cool. Dads, take your daughters out. Teach your daughters how they should be treated. Teach your daughters that they are valued. Teach your daughters that their value doesn't come in what they look like, it comes in who they are. Build a bridge. Do fun stuff together. Vacation together. I love the fact and, and that when we all get together on vacation this year, we were missing one. But man, when we all get together, man, it's a lot of fun. It's not about being at the beach or being wherever. It's about the people that I'm with. That's what makes it special. Here's what I know. 
And I want you to think about this. Right now, your kids have to spend time with you. If, you're, if your kids are at home, they have to spend time with you. They have to. You have a captive audience. Here's the question. Will they want to spend time with you one day when it's their choice? That's the, that's the question. Right now, if your kids are at home, they have to spend time with mom and dad. I love the fact, and I've made a truckload of mistakes as a dad and as a husband. My kids like spending time with us, and I'm glad. We like spending time with them. We like being together. You know, if the joke says you love them when they come, you love it when it leaves, that's so true sometimes. But I love it when we are together. And some of you know what I'm talking about right now. Because some of you are at that place where your kids choose whether they want to spend time with you or not. And maybe they can't because of their schedules, which I understand that. And maybe they can't because they don't want to. And you can't undo, and we can't undo what has been done. But we can build a bridge from where we are, right? I mean, you can start where you are and start building bridges. I would love to sit here and tell you that every, everybody's relationship with their kids is awesome and wonderful. We know that's not true. There are kids who are raised by horrible, horrible human beings. And there are parents who have produced some horrible, horrible human beings who are really hard to love their kids and their kids just rebelled, rejected, and moved on. You know what I've learned from my friends who are kind of in that boat? Their kids are still their kids and they still love them. Because your kids are always going to be your kids. I want your kids... I want you to have such a firm foundation of a marriage that your kids want to be with you one day when they don't have to be. Greatest example of this in the Bible may be a man named Joshua. Joshua is the greatest leader of people in the Bible, not named Moses, and obviously with the exception of Jesus, who's the greatest leader of people who's ever walked the earth. But as far as mere mortal human beings go, fully human, Joshua might be the greatest leader who's not named Moses. Joshua led the Israelites into the promised land. They captured it. Um, He taught them the ways of the Lord. He taught them to live in a way that honored God. And then at the end of his life, he turned them loose. And he was such a great leader that for generations, they followed the Lord because of their respect for Joshua and what he had taught them. And so Joshua says it this way. Fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable for you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Want to raise your kids right? You'll get that right. Well, I mess a lot of stuff up. Probably will. Not going to do everything right all the time. Probably won't. But we're going to allow, our kids are going to grow up in a place where we serve the Lord. They're at least going to see that if they don't see anything else. So what are you teaching your kids? Father, we are, um, it's, it's a privilege and an honor. It's a challenge to have a family, to have kids at home. It's a challenge to watch your kids grow up and go and out on their own.
There's always a challenge when it comes to our kids. But there's always an opportunity to do things better. And maybe there are folks here in our church family that have that made some mistakes along the way and wish they could undo some things. And the truth is we can't undo anything. What we can do is start from where we are and build bridges. Maybe we're, we've got folks who are working hard to build bridges. I pray that you encourage them to keep doing that. Our greatest ministry priority outside of our relationship with you are the people you've entrusted in our care and our family. It's our greatest ministry priority. It's more important than anything on the planet, not named Jesus. So help us to treat our families like the blessing they truly are. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you now, we're gonna have a time of